Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you in partnership with my friends over at Kona. Those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time know that I am a huge fan of the remote work movement. However, I also recognize it comes with some challenges. One of those challenges that plagues many remote teams is employee burnout or employee dissatisfaction with their jobs. This is really hard to monitor as a leader when your teammates are not sitting face to face with you in an office anymore. But that's what Kona was built to tackle and they've done a phenomenal job. The co-founders over there are friends and people who have truly built something to help people and help remote workers more specifically. So I love what they're doing. It makes a huge impact for their customers and I'm excited to partner with them here. You can find out more and get 15% off your team subscription by going to the link in the show notes and using the code CHASE at checkout. Feel free to ask me any questions. I highly recommend this product and am excited to hear what the About Abroad community thinks. Check out the link in the show notes and use the code CHASE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. My guest today is my new friend, Michelle, who joins me from Portugal, but she's originally from the Netherlands, and she's also the founder and CEO of The Nomad Escape, a company that I've been following for quite a while, and many of you have probably heard of or seen as well. She is an awesome leader in the remote workspace and is doing all sorts of things that we love to talk about here at About Abroad, touching on subjects from travel to remote work and leadership and all sorts of other things that we get into during the next hour Michelle was nice enough to share her time with us. She shared a little bit about her personal story with some pretty interesting aspects that I think a lot of you are probably unfamiliar with. And so it was great to hear her be a little bit vulnerable, especially given all the success that she has had. I really appreciated that and had a lot of fun getting to know her. So I hope you all will as well. Please help me in welcoming Michelle to About Abroad. Yeah, so it's really funny because um, I was looking, I was doing a little bit of digging on you before we we got started with this conversation, and I saw that you lived in this country that I'm going to be honest, and I'm embarrassed to say this. Uh, may, I hope I'm not the only one out there. I had never heard of this country before. <laughs> and You're not the it, only you, one. <laughs> okay, it's not just me. Is it is it Sur, Suriname? Sur, Suriname? What, how do you yeah, pronounce and it? Yeah, in English you would say Suriname. I guess, but in, in the Surinamese language, which is also Dutch, it makes between Dutch and Creole, it's Suriname. Wow. Okay. So this is, and it's on like the, uh, I was looking it up. It's on like the, the Northeast part of South America. So this is like a former Dutch colony or something? Yeah, correct. Correct. It's part of the Guyana shield. So above Brazil, you have like uh, British Guyana, Dutch Guyana, that's uh, Suriname, and then you have French Guyana. And we're in the middle and it's a very unique country. It's it's not South America at all. It's not Latin per se. There's a lot of like African roots and because of like the history, slavery, etc. It's very raw and very unique. Wow. Oh my God. That's amazing. Like this is one of the main like one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast in the in the beginning was just because like it's such a huge world out there. I don't know if you feel this way, but like 
the more you travel, the more of the world you see, the more you realize you you haven't seen because I would probably never end up in a conversation about Suriname uh, if I never left my my home country or had conversations with you. But then you like you learn about this place. And you're like, okay, I, I've seen a bit of the world. I didn't even know this country existed. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the cool thing is, is that, you know, like when I moved there, basically, like I'm from the Netherlands. And uh, when I moved there, I didn't know anything about remote work or being a digital nomad. I just went there as an expat, really. So I lived there really for almost six years with a regular job and a house and three cats and two cars and a partner like this, basically the standard life, but then abroad, really, you know. And I think the fact that I started off my life like this, like really living abroad and not only working remotely and traveling, is that I started um, getting a very different perspective of being a guest in another country, where I see a lot, like when I'm traveling the world, so let's say when I'm in Bali, I was in Bali at the beginning of the year for two and a half months, and I'm hosting retreats there, I'm receiving, I'm meeting amazing people, and then you have people who are visiting there who say very I would say a little bit ignorant, but they don't understand and they don't know that in front of a taxi driver, for example, like it's so cheap here. Everything is so cheap. The food is cheap and the taxi is cheap. Uh, But they don't understand that these people make $150 a month while you come there with your $5,000 salary. And me living in a country like Suriname, Suriname is a very um, low economical social class, basically, like it's a very, it's a development country. So the exchange rate between one euro and, and, and Surinamese dollar will now be, I don't know exactly, but like I think one on 30. So living there and having a job there and working in a local company made me very aware of how it is to actually live, like really live and integrate in a country and not come there with my laptop and foreign currency. And this start of my career and life abroad made me, I think, very conscious and humble while I travel to locations. And I'm, I'm very mindful of saying those things in front of people. And I, I would wish that to a lot of digital nomads that I see making those comments. And I have that also as a rule on my retreats at the beginning, like, hey, we are a guest in someone's country. Please be mindful of the salaries they make here, the culture they have, and don't say things that are a little bit like Western ignorance, I would say. That's so powerful that you bake that into the the world that you're working in, which obviously we're going to spend a lot of time on today because um, you know that's what I'm I'm really interested in learning more about is sort of the the roots of the nomad escape and um, and what you guys do and I think you have some really exciting things on the horizon. But the reason I think that's so important is like my, myself, you know, having lived in a handful of different countries and um, spent a lot of my life living outside of my own country. I've gone through that development myself of like recognizing what is kosher and not kosher to to say and do. And when you when when you're brand new at this, as so many people are right now, like everybody's been armed with a laptop and remote work all of a sudden, and and people are out and exploring, and and that's why it's great it's, it, what you're doing. Um, it caters to that crowd in a lot of ways, but also baking in some level of recognition, like, hey, look, we're guests here. And you can start this journey on with a with a leg up because you have someone kind of training you on how to do it that's more experienced. And, and so I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy that I had that experience because when I look at the people who just entered the journey, I'm like, oh, you, you should know, you know how it feels because I was living in Suriname 
And when the economy collapsed there, that was in 2000, this is like six, seven years ago, when Venezuela and like the Latin America like fully collapsed, Suriname had the same. So inflation was massive. When I moved there, the exchange rate was one on three. When I left, it was one on 10. So when I bought a bread, for example, like small things, and I never thought of that because I'm coming from a first world country like the Netherlands, you know, I never had to think about these things. But when I moved there, a bread was $3. When I left, a bread was $10. When I moved there, gas was, I don't know, super cheap, one fifty or so. And then when I left, it was, I don't know, 8 or 10 And then the most special thing, there was not even gas. Like the food was running out of the shelves. So having experienced that, really coming from like, I really lost everything. I didn't have any money as well. I was just like the locals and then I had a pretty good job there, but still with a good job. Like if I look at it, like it was then 700 euros and I was like a top-notch position. I was business development advisor for a big corporation that had a lot of franchises like KFC, Pizza Hut, Western Union, Merit Hotel. And I had, I could not travel. I couldn't do anything, couldn't save. So having that experience and now into this lifestyle, it's, I'm very blessed that I, I could have experienced that. Yeah, blessed. And you, and you created your, you know, you created the, the good fortune um, with, with a lot of effort. And, and, uh, and that, that's obvious as well, too. I think like, you know, you know, we we're all dealt a certain deck of cards and we all have to play the hand that, that we're given. But some people choose to fold really easy and, and others figure out how to overcome. And, um, and I'm curious, like from, what was that crash? Did that have something to do with your like propelling you into what you're doing now with the Nomad Escape or was there a chapter in between? Well, actually it goes way back because I, <laughs> it started actually, if you go way, way back, like when I was a young kid, like I was always, I, I can't remember since I was six years old, I was fascinated by nature. I was looking at natural geographic and, 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 and discovery channel and stuff like that. And a Skippy the Bush Kangaroo that was a series about Australia. And I was like super fan of koalas and kangaroos. So as a kid, I always um, had the urge to travel. And then like I, I moved abroad when I was 22 to Suriname, which was great. But I ended up there living in a Caribbean or like tropical country, um, but having the standard life. And that's I had a great life. Oh, are you frozen? No. You're good? I'm here. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, so I had an amazing life, but I was, I could not travel. I could not move. I was definitely not location independent. So I always had the urge to travel more. And I was, back in the days, I didn't know how to make money online. I was not creative in that aspect. My background is I'm a, I'm a teacher and a social worker. So I'm like, in the public sector, you are drilled and like, okay, you deliver your services, you get your salary at the end of the month, and that's it. I don't even know and understand how to offer my services to a, another company. So I was very limited in my thinking. And the only thing I could think of is just move abroad and get a job there, right? And then as I went into business and started some small projects myself, I got the understanding like, hey, I'm pretty good in sales. I'm pretty good in marketing, I started my own arts company in Suriname. I was the only one who worked with Waterwoods and I became very good at it and exporting and et cetera. And I had a team of 15 people and was like invited to big art fairs. And then people started ordering. And then I realized I'm freaking good in sales. I didn't even know. I did. I hated the word sales. You know, everything is commercial. But like having those, uh, finding out that I was naturally good in sales and marketing made me realize, hey, I could travel the world. I will figure it out. I will sell something. I will make something up. 
and I want to do it. And I had a partner at that time and he was, he's like top notch videographer, like next level, like feature films and work with Netflix. I was like, dude, you can film. I can sell. I'm a good producer. I can arrange everything. We are a power duo, but I didn't know about influencers and all those things. I had no, I was not in my world and he didn't want to. And I always like, I had amazing jobs. Everything I did in CERN was amazing, but I wanted to travel. I wanted to see more. I want to be, I didn't want to ask for a holiday for my boss, right? And two weeks and then I'm rushing, coming back and Suriname is like in the middle of nowhere. So like it takes already two days of traveling to get somewhere. So yeah, so I, I told my, my partner at the time, I really want to travel. I was 29 and I, I want to go to Australia and I want to see kangaroos. That was my thing. I need to see kangaroos. I can't, I can't live anymore. <laughs> and koalas. Yeah. That's the best motivation ever. Like, like if you don't want to go touch a kangaroo, like what's wrong with you? Like, exactly. Stay home. <laughs> exactly. I mean, life has no purpose kind of. And, um, yeah, like he was like, what the F are you going to do in, in, in Australia then? I was like, I don't know, but I'm for sure I'm going to figure it out because I can make anything out, out of nothing. I know that. And he didn't want to. So then I was like choosing like, okay, I'm going to continue here or I'm going to travel. And I loved him a lot, but I said, I love you, but I got to go. I'm sorry. And I just literally, I left everything. My cats, it was a big heartbreak. It was really bad, but I packed my backpack and I went and I did not regret. (laughs) (laughs) You have to take that leap of faith sometimes. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. Like, uh, that's a really fun story to listen to, by the way. And I think a lot of people can probably relate because for you, it was your, your partner and your cats and, and the security of what you had. But almost everyone that takes this, this leap of faith um, is giving up something, right? Like you're, whether that, I mean, we could talk about, this could go in two different directions. It happens to be both for you, but like leaving the comfort of your home or, and leaving the comfort of your, your career and all that comes with those two things, like, you know, financial security and, um, community and and the plan that you had that you that you thought you were going to follow and abandoning all that to to chase adventure and go pet koalas is uh, as fun as it sounds. It's really scary, and a lot of people won't leave the cat uh, and they won't leave the the family behind, um, so they'll never get to you know taste those flavors of life. And that's a I mean, there's it, it a trade off there. It's a real trade off. Yeah, I mean, you need to be very flexible. I'm very confident and it's all about mindset, like how cliche it is and all these motivational talks, but it is at the end, it is about mindset because we make things bigger and more scary as they seem. And we are super afraid of losing it all. And the biggest fear of people is of course money and always like, Oh my God, what I'm going to do, don't make money. And, uh, you know, like I'm not going to eat, but if you really think about it, I've been like broke a few times, like broke, (laughs) definitely. And at the end of the day, like, us not people like us not eating or not having a place to sleep is very unlikely to happen unless we really screw ourselves up and go into like crazy stuff but we always have a network to fall back on and the worst worst case scenario is going back for me then in that case to the netherlands which is a bad scenario for me but which is still a first world country with good food and good housing and good facilities Right. So I always look at it like that. And of course, still as an entrepreneur, often you have a, you ask yourself a question like, what am I doing? Is this smart? Am I security for the future? But then I think about like, okay, what is the alternative? No, I don't want that, you know? And 
And I think it's also like it's personality. It's also your safety net. It is your history, for example. You know, like uh, my my life story a little bit to share a little bit about that. And it's I think also what I <laughs> was trained in because of the Nomad Escape because I went digging deep into the last years the why behind my company. And it's way more than only creating like remote work and entrepreneur communities. And and my personal life story, and I will give you very short if that's okay, a sharing of that is that we're, we're a long like, form podcast, so you feel free to form. take as much long take as much time as you need. <laughs> Guys, get some popcorn. I'm intrigued. Yeah, <laughs> grab a cup. Grab a cup of your favorite beverage. Let's sit down exactly. and get into it. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, so basically, like I've been kind of like a nomad for the last 21 years, and I'm now I'm almost 36. So then 22 years. a pretty years, good portion almost. of your life, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's basically because like since, uh, when I was 14 years old, I couldn't live at home anymore. So I'm from a very problematic family background. So my father was like heavily alcoholic. My mom was on drugs. And there was a lot of poverty and problems around that, what people have with those situations. So because of that situation, I couldn't live at home anymore. So I became homeless. So... When you're homeless, when you're 14, you know, I went from place to place, couch to couch, going into social institutions, like, you know, getting your counselors and all these things, ending up in, I don't know how to say it in English, but government institutions and homeless shelters where you live with a big group of people, um, standing in line, waiting for your food. Like, I think it's called Salvation Army or so, like in English, we, right? Yeah, we have something like that. There's like, uh, sometimes they call them halfway houses or homeless shelters, or uh, there's a lot of different terms. And it depends, I think, a little bit on each scenario set up. Like some are just for kids, and then those tend to be called like halfway houses. Um, were, were you were you alone? Like, was it just you or were you with a family member? Uh, it was me, but my I had a sister. I still have a sister, but she stayed with my mom, basically. Okay. Yeah, so it's a whole, I don't go in detail like about, about the whole complex story, but if I look back, because I've been doing a lot of like, you know, reflecting and inner work and the why behind what I'm doing and why um, I'm so driven about this, it goes back to that period of time because when I had to leave the house and ended up living in a house with 23 other kids who were homeless and I was a rebel then, like I was skipping school, smoking weed. I was like, you didn't want me in your class. <laughs> I was really bad. <laughs> but that was, like, I, was, I was a good-hearted girl, but because of my environment, I was so distracted by everything that I couldn't focus and I could not handle authority, basically. But living in those groups with these other kids, I looked at them and I thought, you are all freaking retards. <laughs> no one, no one went to school. I always went to school. I love to study. I love to read and all those things, but I couldn't handle really then the authority, but no one loves studying. No one loves to have good conversations. No one loves to deal with adults. Like I could have a relation of like a good connection with adults as they have like a strong, like personality or genuine, humble, had like a, you know, a nice character. And looking back at it now, me at such a young age living in different groups until I was 18 and actually till I was 20 in these shared houses and stuff like that is if I look back at it, like, even though I looked at the others, like, I don't want to be like you. It helped me a lot looking at my own situation. Like, okay, look, Michelle, where you are now, you need to get the F out of here. If you want to get something out of your life, but 
it is also nice, even though these are not the people that you do want to hang with, these guys are like-minded. These guys are in the same situation. That is what we talk a lot lot about in the remote work industry or in digital nomads world, like-minded people, people like yourself. So that was another part of my life. I have different chapters in my life where I found like-minded people that fit it within that chapter of my life. And I'm looking back at it, like what I'm building now, you know, I, I run co-livings and retreats and, and, and tests and a lot of different community-driven things. It all comes back to community. It all comes back to people. And it all comes back to mindset and extreme motivation to not be in the pain where you were, right? And yeah, I think like I never shared about that until like one and a half year ago or so. But more and more in the retreats, people kept on asking about it. And then I started sharing and people say, it's so powerful. It's very powerful. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I didn't even realize. But now I'm integrating my life story really in the storyline of our retreats to show people it doesn't matter where you're coming from. If you surround yourself with the right people and if you train your mind, you know, and really think out of the box, you can create anything you want. Yeah. And I imagine that has to be such strong motivation for you, like, uh, as a business person too, like, uh, you're, you're very community driven and there's, there could almost be like, um, like if you weren't, I imagine I see this in your work. Like, I don't know if I'm, I could be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I see that you would, you love what you do and you would probably do it for free if you could. Like, it's one of those perfect scenarios where it's like, they'd say that's the dream people tell you, right. It's like, find that thing that you're passionate about. But like a lot of people drive trucks and they're not, passionate about driving trucks. That's just their job, you know, and that's what they do. And a lot of people live in that zone. Um, but you're doing something that really resonates with who you are. You would do it if you, you know, other, any other way, but you also happen to be building a successful business and that has to be very motivating seeing as, you know, where you came from and, and where you could have gone, that path you could have gone down with those other kids could have looked a lot different at this stage. So I imagine there's a lot of motivation baked in there. Yes, it has a, a lot of motivation. It, it also it requires you constantly, constantly to reflect because when I go back to the Netherlands, I'm confronted with this world. I visit my parents. They're still in that world, right? My mom is better, but my father is still there. And then a lot of friends, they are on welfare, on drugs, all these things. And I'm coming there and they're like, oh, you're this influencer. No, no, no. When are you getting alive? I'm like... Well, I don't need money from the government <laughs> and I live in a fucking like in an amazing villa. Like I live very luxurious lifestyle and I don't even care about luxury at all. Like I'm not money driven, but I mean, it's a result of what I've been doing and building. And I believe that's energy you attract, right? Well, you set out to be a social worker, right? I mean, you were, your roots were in being a social worker. Like obviously you were not driven by, by greed and, and luxury. No, <laughs> um, you, no. you built, you built something with those skills and that, and that capability, but, um, obviously your, your, uh, ambitions are, are varied in that way. It's not singly focused on, on money and, and winning in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. However, that's something that I had to learn in the last years is at the beginning, I started this a little bit as a social worker. So people started calling me like the, the digital nomad or the entrepreneur therapist. So I went so far also like within my retreats. And then we had, at the beginning we did, we were a travel company and it was like 21 days. So you get to know people really well or co-livings for months. And I was literally, you could always go to Michelle and talk about your things. And I was literally sitting at the end of the day with some people on the bed, their, their heads on my lap. And I was like petting them and listening to their inner child stories, you know, 
And I love to do that. I genuinely love people. I want to help everyone because I really think if there's one person that can inspire you and believes in you, it could change the course of your life. And I want to be that person for people. However, it just <laughs> keeps me stagnant sometimes in the business. And as I give so much, I need to charge as well. Good for it. And then also I have a lot of expense. Like it's not an online community. My retreats and stuff, like 50% of what I charge is just like thick, it's, how do you call that? Yeah, fixed expense. Just like directly hotel, food, taxis, that, 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 logistics, right? It goes out. Then the other 50% is my facilitators, uh, you know, like rental of materials, creating the program, all these things. So I had to learn that to charge what I'm worth. And still, like now I'm like, I never charge this amount what I'm doing now. And actually the applications are better than ever. People are really dedicated. But still people who apply say they're like, oh my God, it's like out of my budget. And the people who join say, Michelle, you need to make this 10K or 5K or 10, whatever. You just need to do it. And that's right. You know, so it's like, it's mindset. You need to grow within it. Right. And that's a there, beautiful journey. This is a really interesting inflection point that I think a, a lot of, uh, or, or at least I, I know a handful of people that are experiencing the same thing. And I can, I can totally relate to you. It's, there's this good natured side of you that just wants to do well for all. And like you have a certain level of knowledge and experience that you could share with others. And like, if you could, you would just give it all away for free, but there's also like, it, it's unsustainable at some point. And, um, and charging for your services feels like selfish. Like when, uh, when someone comes and asks for a consultation or whatever, it's like, I, I feel bad. Like I've, I've even found myself instinctively like giving, like being like, uh, look, just, I don't even want to charge you what I, what my hourly rate is. Um, but, but you, you have to, and someone said something to me like there's, I can't, I'm going to botch the quote, but it's something like, um, there's a big difference between being like available and respected or something like that. And like, so by you're almost doing yourself and everyone else a disservice by making yourself like overly available because you can only give so much to each individual and and then to maintain that level of respect where where your work is respected and and you know really absorbed in the way that it should be you have to limit availability and it's yeah. it's really hard it's hard to do it is very hard um however like still like when i get the chance like now i'm financially a little bit more comfortable and for example, there's a lady on the next uh, retreat that is starting on Thursday and she came from Ukraine, right? And the, her friends were uh, killed basically in the war and she's taking care of the kids of these friends. And she is super smart, executive coach, all these things, you know, and then I'm like, you know, screw it. I give her like a good discount, those things, right? Or when someone, when I see that someone really wants you know, and they don't have it yet. I always give some resources or have like a, a few minutes call, but it, it depends also a lot on the energy of the person, because I know some people who are just like really, well, sucking, like taking energy and taking information constantly and don't do anything with it. And they want more and more and more. And they want you to, that you to solve the problem. But when I see someone is really driven, I always make some time and yeah, people don't see that online or so, but I have a lot of like mini one-on-ones or on social and send a voice note that makes them like, sometimes send a voice note like, you can do it, la, la, la. and then people come back and say, oh my God, I'm so happy because of your voice note. I really did it. I pulled the plug and now I'm running my business. It's like, cool. And there's small things you can do, but you cannot do that fully on. And also the financial aspect, like 
money is just like it's energy, right? So it's a result of what you've been doing and building. And with the more you have, uh, the more people you can reach. And someone, I think like a really good question that someone asked me recently, and I was a potential investor. I have a lot of people who want to invest and I just don't want, I know I can grow fast, but I really want to bootstrap. And if, but I don't think if I would change my mind tomorrow, then I don't have anyone hanging on my neck. You need to do this. You know, I, I enjoy the freedom. But someone asked me recently, like, okay, so if I would give you unlimited money, what would you do? And then I said, I would do exactly the same as now, but I would hire the best people in the world to train more people in the world and to invest all these startups who come with me and all these people who want to create something out of their life to help them. And then he was like, wow, that's really powerful because a lot of people say, I'm just going to whatever, buy properties, whatever. This will be part of my business, but the vision stays the same or the mission stays the same, right? So I think that's that's a good, if you really want to, know how people are in their career that's a really good question to ask because people sometimes ask also like would you do this for free like yeah no because i cannot live right but if i would have endless money would i still do this yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it makes perfect sense We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. Hey guys, so many of you write in asking some form of the question, how can I become a digital nomad or location independent professional? And there are obviously a ton of ways to answer that question. I also don't have all the answers, which is why I'm so excited to be partnering up with my friends over at Noma. And they have created the Nomad Academy, which we are going to be launching here very soon. You can get access to the course with $250 off by using the link in the show notes and entering the code chase250 at checkout. This is a course that's going to be taught by some of the leading digital nomads in the world. I can't wait to learn from them myself. And I'm also really excited to be teaching a course there. So if you want to join us, go to the link in the show notes, click on it, and then enter the code chase250 at checkout and become that digital nomad and location independent professional that you have always aspired to be. Hey everyone, so many of you have written in asking why I've never done a Q&A only session on the podcast. And to be honest, I don't know why. So let's make it happen. Go over to aboutabroad.com and find the contact form or just email me directly, chase at aboutabroad.com with any questions that you have related to remote work, moving abroad, digital nomadism, anything that we talk about here on the show is fair game. I can't promise I'll get to every single question, but we will do a questions only podcast coming up up in the next few weeks. And for that, I want to hear from you. What would you like to hear me talk about? Hit me up at chase at aboutabroad.com or go to aboutabroad.com and find the contact form and send me your questions. Thanks. Looking forward to hearing from you. I don't know if you know this. Uh, so like I work at Doist, um, which is a fully bootstrapped company. Uh, and And so we've had to play that game a lot. Like, you know, we've scaled to around 100 employees and um, and like have a sustainable business, even through like this recession, like it's, it, we're, we're doing fine. Um, and, but we obviously have lots of investors that would like to, you know, like to invest and, and get a piece of that. But we've, we've maintained that bootstrapped mentality. It hinders our growth some, I think for sure. Like, you know, if we could invest in the infrastructure and hire a hundred more engineers, we could do a lot of different things, but also like maintaining that authenticity of like, no, this is just how we're going to run our business. And we're not going to have someone breathing down our neck, telling us how to do things differently. Um, 
is, uh, you know, is, is something like I, it, there's a lot of power in that. And if not power, like a lot of joy, cause you just get to do yeah. it how you want to do it. Yeah, I agree. I like, I'm, I'm driven every day by it, you know, and it, it just makes you, I don't know, I think more motivated because I've seen a lot of startup founders also who join our events and in our community. And I don't know, like some of, not all of them, but some of them I see like, they're just like living towards like raising and then getting the funding and then I'm like, did you put your own capital in? Yeah, no, no. It's like, why do you expect other people to put their money and time in if you don't even want to do that? Right. So I think like it's a good, you know, like if you want to do it, like really having that MVP and that track record and you have a healthy cash flow and that kind of things. And then, you know, but I understand for some business models, apps or whatever, it's hard. It yeah. is hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's all I think it's uh, it's it's a challenge that, you know, most people see the, the cash as the, as the necessity, like step a is <laughs> like, I have to get funding. Um, and so it's not to, not to, you know, naysay that, that route, if that's how you go. But I just, I think it's cool when I meet other, um, you know, CEOs or leaders who are trying to build something bootstrapped, it's a unique set of challenges. And I think it's a, it's a fun game to play. And speaking of this, like we've been, we've been dabbling in this conversation, talking about your retreats and your events and your community, but we haven't even really explained to the audience what you, what the Nomad Escape is. So what's the, uh, and, and you do a lot of different things, which is really cool. Like when I first started following your work, I thought of you in a, I thought of what you were doing in a very specific way, in a very specific and awesome way, but I've seen you grow and expand, it seems from the outside looking in and doing a lot of different things. I've come to come to realize that. So um, what's your like, you know, your elevator pitch, maybe for lack of a better word, like, what do you tell people when someone says, Oh, what's, what's the nomad escape? Or what do you do, Michelle? I would love to hear that. Yeah, well, basically, in a nutshell, we bring online professionals together offline. That's what we do through different events and uh, retreats and offsites. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you want to have <laughs> it in the nutshell, that's it. But like, I think in a very magical way because it's uh, anti, like corporate tone. It's like very relaxed, flowy, and like uh, business and and work has to be fun. We can integrate our work with lifestyle as well. You know, I don't believe that you need to wear a suit to be uh, good in your profession or to be respected, right? Um, however, I understand some industries or banking, etc. They require that a little bit but i mean in the startup world or uh, most digital jobs we don't need that anymore and showing people that like when you leave your um ordinary the ordinary so your your office space or your home environment to another exotic location with a bunch of strangers or your team you get so much new energy and perspective on the challenges that you're dealing with you know, like we try to solve a lot of things from our home office or office chair, wherever we are. But sometimes it's just like you keep on doing the same thing. And then after a month, like still like, yeah, I'm trying to solve it, trying to solve it. But sometimes when you then talk to a random person and you explain what you're working on or you're just listening to someone else's life story or work experience, something can just like, oh, my God, this was the thing I, was, I have been searching for for years. I never even thought of that. That could be just like a way of working or a book or a connection or whatever it may be, right? So getting people out of their daily routines into a space which is fully set up to get the other people, uh, to get to know the other people 
on a personal and professional level in a very short amount of time, in a very informal setting, and a very safe setting. And it's not only business, not only work. No, who are you as a person? That is the foundation of everything. You know, who is Chase? What made Chase who he is today? Why, why are you such a beautiful human being with the sparkle? You have your story as well. And why are you so driven? You have a, like a, a job that is very demanding probably, but you're still doing this podcast. So what drives you? And then we slowly go into your skills. Like, okay, great. You, you've been doing this as a person in your life because of this experience to develop these skills and this, this knowledge and expertise. Okay, and how are you translating that now within your life? And what do you still need, right? And, who, and what do you need to get ahead in business and life? And then we made the transition into business and do different hot seats, like mini TEDx talks, Skillshare sessions, but a lot of personal um, development sessions as well, where we talk about traumas, relationships, sexuality, uh, relationship with our parents and family, you know, and also the big question like, why are we traveling or why are we like this? Why, what are we escaping from? Right? Like the nomad escape. I think it's really like, it's a cool catchy name, but it can be also seen as negative. What are you escaping from? I can escape from my home office, escape from the ordinary, are you escaping reality? whatever reality may be, <laughs> you know, um, but it's a very interesting question. And if you dig a little bit deeper in a group setting, people get to know each other on a very different level, which makes it easier for you as well to do business because you understand the drive of the person, the intentions of the person and the way they operate and work. And that is where we built the bridge between personal and professional development and yeah, just being fully yourself. I really believe in when you're fully yourself, then you're open to be vulnerable and learn and absorb new information. That's a really amazing. I'm so glad I asked you and didn't try to describe it myself because you, uh, you, you would, you would, it's a much more deeper and impactful way of, of describing what you do, which is obviously to be expected because I think what a lot of people see is like, you go to these amazing places around the world you bring remote work. I mean, you're talking like, you know, like Bali, Madeira, you know, we can, we can get into some of the locations uh, a bit, but like you're going to these amazing locations. You're in these beautiful venues, which are like, you know, right out of a, a Instagram, just like beautiful place where you're like, oh my God, I need to be there. And then you have a group of, you know, like-minded people that are getting their work done, but also growing and, and building, perhaps building businesses, um, you know, I, I gather there's a pretty big like entrepreneurial aspect, but correct me if I'm wrong. Are there also people who are, you know, just for, for an example, an, an employee of a remote company and they can come and be there for the, for the time period as well. Correct. Yes, absolutely. So we have a, we have a mixture. We have people, mostly we attract entrepreneurs because it's for them easier, mostly to, <laughs> to take off or do whatever they want, of course. And, you know, spend their week like that. Um, but we have a lot of people actually in a transition phase. They are already on a sabbatical. They start their sabbatical with us. They want to work remotely, but don't know how, want to be inspired. We get people who get in a burnout, got divorced, <laughs> all these things like a therapeutical setting, right? And uh, it's, it's beautiful actually, like to have all these different worlds combined. Like we call it also the magical mix. I've been actually like, I'm developing now different models and different concepts because I know like as an entrepreneur, you're dealing with different things and an employee or a freelancer, for example, when you're really building teams, 
etc. However, like it's uh, I get very mixed feedback because some entrepreneurs they really want like I want to be with other seven figure entrepreneurs. But then I had an eight figure entrepreneur on the last event, and by accident she ended up in a in a in a hot seat in a mastermind group with three other ladies who are fully starting like in their career kind of and I was like no how did she end up there like we cannot offer her the value I was like really afraid and I want to give people value so well she went into that session and I went to her uh Petra was and I was like Petra how did you experience it sorry you were planned to be in another group and she said Michelle this was great I didn't even expect the solution to be there these ladies were not into funnels and all these things what I've been dealing with for years they were so fresh that they looked at it in such a different way and they just handed it to me for free on a silver platter. I was like, wow, this is cool. So it's a, it's a mixed setting and you never know what you get out of it. And like one of the biggest feedback that we get is like, uh, I learned things that I didn't even know existed. And some people, the biggest takeaways are really like, oh, business, I know how to build this now. Other people are like, oh, I need to start doing yoga. I've never done yoga and I, I, I freaking love it. Other people say like, hey, I need to work more on whatever, on my mindset, on my finance. We do different exercises. So it's for every person, they get something different out of it. And it's, of course, different with for remote teams. You know, for remote teams, it's like really we work with the client, identifying their needs. And it's more looking into company culture and what are they dealing with and how can we support their goals uh, through an offsite or an activity that they are, you know, that they need. Um, but then still we integrate the personal connection as well. We're trying to, you know, like one of the first exercises we mostly do with the team retreat as well. We have now clients, like 40 people that starts actually this week, end of this week. These people have never seen each other. It's like 40 people, they work literally in every continent. Some team members have never even spoken to each other. So, and then like, this is a video gaming designing company. It's really cool. They create like big games like Fortnite and stuff like that. And really young team between 22 and 35 as well. And, uh, but they have then a team that are artists. So they create literally the video games and they have a team that are communicating with the outside world and the sales and accounts management, et cetera. It's a totally different world, right? But for them to understand like that we're all needed in this, like one of the first things we do, we do kind of like, okay, bring people together, very informal around the pool. There's music, there's reggae, there's a beer, no you know, inside space, just I put floatables in the pool and just come in your swimming pants. I don't care. And then like the, the CEO is going to do a talk. I highly recommended him like, hey, come here, relax, close, just sit in the bar. I give you a mic, no PowerPoint presentation. Just relax because these guys are really young. And you're, he's also young. He's like 33 or 34. And then we're going to do speed dating with them. Like we're going to put them in pairs of two in like five to seven minutes. And we are sure that as many people as possible, you know, spoken to each other. And then like the standard things like, okay, what are you doing in the company, et cetera? What are you responsible for? But then also life questions, like whatever, what's the relationship to your mother? Like, uh, I don't know, but, <laughs> right? So, but like making people a bit like out of the box and uncomfortable makes you vulnerable and more connected with each other. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, this is such a vital aspect of running remote teams these days. And it's so ironic because it's like the antithesis in a lot of ways of like when you think of remote and nomad and uh, distributed teamwork. Uh, we're talking about like teams moving away from a centralized place, but it turns out we know enough that like we can have that, but bringing those teams together 
in amazing locations, caveat. <laughs> um, you don't bring them to like the TGI Fridays, you know, off of the interstate. Uh, but like going to amazing locations, having these really intentional retreats and offsites where you can do them at a super high level is a fundamental part of getting remote teamwork done right. And um, we don't need, you know, here's the, here's the thing, like somebody who would say, what, I thought you were all remote, you know, like, don't force me to come somewhere. It's like, we're going from a situation where you used to have to be in an office like 52 weeks per year. We're asking you to come to Bali for a week for one exactly. week <laughs> and hang out and, yeah, and, <laughs> and do this amazing like event where you're going to actually get to know your teammates and you're going to have that, those intentional settings where it's like, let's do speed dating with your teammates so you get to know people. Let's do a little workshop or an activity together where we, we build bonds um, that way. And also just like hanging out being together in a great place. Like these, these are good things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's very interesting actually, because I never intended to do the company retreats. There was no, I didn't have that in my plan. Actually, it came because we hosted a lot of remote workers working for companies like Google, TikTok, Apple, Nike, big corporations. And they joined us as, yeah, as an individual, but they came up to us like, this is so great. We should do stuff like this with our team because we do it the offsides. And it's nice. Of course, you meet the people. But this is just so different and so relaxed and so chill. I can really be myself and be young and not like come up in my suit or whatever. Right? I don't want my name tag or whatever. So and then I was like, oh, and then multiple people kept on saying that. So actually, I just built a page on my website. Oh, the web developer is like, OK, build something if people are interested then there's something, right? So, and then like requests uh, came in and uh, yeah, I just started. And actually I felt a little bit insecure, of course, when you tap into a new market, but I did in Suriname, for example, like I was a director of a educational institute for security and safety risk management trainings. So I did a lot of B2B sales. I did gave trainings, but not in the form of retreats. So it was a lot of, you know, like a week long in a villa, but it was not retreat form, it was pretty formal. Still, but I, I knew the market and how to deal with a company, but not per se for remote teams. But then I thought, I've been working for years. I hosted over a thousand digital nomads and remote workers and aspiring people or whatever you may call them, uh, like as individuals in these groups. And actually the dynamics is maybe even harder because all these people are just like random strangers and you just put them together in a villa and you hope they get along kind of thing, or you steer them in that direction, of course. And then I asked that company as well. It's like, I'm going to be you know, honest to you. Like, it's my first, uh, you know, like uh, uh, company client, you know, like and just like being very transparent. Uh, why did you choose for us? And they are like, we've been following you for a long time. And you speak the language of the remote workers and the digital nomads. You're yourself. You're one. So you won't come there with your suit on and giving this boring talk. Probably, right? It's like, no, I, I try to sometimes, but I cannot even, right? I, I can't be like very official. I'm, I'm trying to work on my public speaking and stuff to be a little bit more representable because I'm too much myself. But um, yeah, it's actually like a very, very good transition. I never thought of it that way. And organically that went like this. And I think it's the best way to do it. I'm not forcing any markets. There's just a demand. Yeah. And you don't have to sell it. They're going to, people, people will come to you. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it, it's funny. Like, the, so this is a really interesting, um, like trajectory or path that I'm just going to use Duist as an example, because we've been fully remote since 2012. So like 
The reason I mentioned that number is it's long before the pandemic when a huge percentage of the world had to figure out how to do remote uh, suddenly. So we were doing remote for a while and we had our first company retreat in 2015. Um, so like after three years, like for three years, the company was, we were exactly at the same point that your client is at. 40 people, never met, didn't think we needed to be in the same place, but we thought, okay, let's just all go to a place and we'll just figure it out. Like we'll go hang out. And then we did retreats for a couple years and we, they were like nice to do. It was a nice to have, but my CEO kind of started to get on this train of like, you know, once the pandemic hit, once a lot of the world started to become remote, it wasn't okay just to do remote anymore. Like that used to be enough because you could attract top talent as a remote team, just because you were remote, like we're fully location independent. You can work from wherever you want. That was enough. The, the new point was like, you have to be really, really good at this. And a core piece of being really good at running a remote team is doing the IRL, the in real life experience really, really well. And so like, it's a weird, it's always a weird thing to me that, uh, because like my title is head of remote, but my a core part of what I do is like building the in real life experience and running all our retreats and offsites. Um, but it's so, it's so fundamental to, to the way that we operate. So that's where we are. Like, you know, 11 years later, we've just gotten to that point. And I think a lot of teams will go from like, okay, we got to do remote, like pandemic knee jerk reaction. We got to figure this out to now, like three, four years later being like, oh man, this really works. How do we do it really well? And so for that reason, I think this space is like blowing up and I think you're primed for, for success in, in that area. So long story, but I think it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's very interesting. I'm also like, I met you of course, on, on running remote in Lisbon and, uh, I wrote like LinkedIn posts about it. Like I was really intrigued by all the talks and that many of them ended up talking about retreats, which I didn't expect even. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn, you know, I've never been to like really a, a conference about remote work. I've been to conferences and like events about digital nomadism and business and all these things, but not specifically on like how to build and run distributed teams and, and companies, et cetera. And I was listening to like the biggest leaders in the industry and it's like, oh, like almost everyone used the word retreat. I'm like, oh, this is good for me. Nice. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Great. You know, and I got great context there as well. And um, yeah, you know, like it is, it is a beautiful uh, area to work in, you know, it's still with people. And, uh, yeah, I think like we are now like you and I, and many in the industry, we're really pioneering at the moment because there's no, like a lot of companies maybe have playbooks. I think you guys have playbooks as well and you make them maybe, but still there is not one answer to so many cases to any case, because every business is so different. Every team is so different. So we are just at the beginning of it. And it's very cool. If you look at it, we're writing history. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an industrial revolution. You know, it's, the, it's that level of change. Uh, we talk about the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution. Like this is, this is that point again. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I'm so excited to be part of that and just, you know, like play in this field and have fun and, and serve people. Yeah. Yeah. You're, well, you're definitely pioneering and, uh, I think it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. You're, you're also very like, um, I'm a big fan of people who like build in public and I feel like you're like building, 
your your empire in public, right? You you share a lot via video on your social media channels and talking about like your obviously like taking people through the experience, which I think is really fun to watch. But also I've seen you you've shared stuff about like building the business and and some of the hesitations you have and you know things like that. So I think that's a really cool element as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Sometimes to be honest with my marketing, it's pretty hard to pinpoint it really because it's such it's also different markets that i serve it's like the b2b and the b2c you know as a company like let's say i would do a retreat for your team are you interested in my video about that how i made my first 100k like you don't care really but maybe you would say okay this is a lady with a strong mindset and it's all about people etc right so it is actually like our marketing is just it's very where I am at the moment. And, and I indeed, I just share very genuine content of, about what we're doing. And I've been doing this for years and it made me, um, yeah, have quite a big reach, I think, at, the, at this point. And uh, yeah, I think like what we, before we started this conversation, before we started recording, talking about gen, being genuine, right? Yep. That was gonna, I was going <laughs> to say that the, uh, the authenticity shines through for yes. sure. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that when you want to, you know, reach a lot of people and make people feel um, that people can relate to your story, because people like when it comes to sales, then of course, like when you market, you want to sell, right? At the end, you know, people buy from people that they trust and people that they like as well, right? Like, can you align with this person, but can you relate also to this person? And yeah, um, and only like you can do that by being really yourself. And some people don't like me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's your problem. And just scroll your video. You know, of course, I look at it like, ah, oh, Michelle, can I do it? Fuck it. People who like me, they will watch. And if you don't like me, just like unfollow me. It's yeah. not my problem. <laughs> Pretty <right>? easy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. We can't be too worried about like pleasing. Like we're, we're when you're out there in the public, even just a little bit, like, you know, on a, on a small scale, big scale, whatever, like you have to, you have to step past caring too much about what people think because yeah. people are just going to, you know, haters are going to hate, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was curious to ask you, I had a couple other questions about like a particular um, nomad escape, like your, mm-hmm. your, your general nomad escape uh, excursions. And I was wondering, maybe we can answer some of those questions via talking about like something that you have coming up. I think you, you mentioned you have one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Is, is that right? Correct. Well, actually, in a, a couple of days. <laughs> so, in a couple of days, the 28th edition. So, our retreats um, with the mixed groups, what I was just talking about, are called the Level Up Club retreats, the personal and professional development retreats or growth accelerators, we, are, we also call them. So, one starts here upcoming Thursday in Madeira Islands. And uh, then we have only the next one planned in December, uh, the first until the 7th of December. And directly on the 7th of December, there uh, we kick off Nomad Island Fest. So last year we did it as well. So we have a retreat and basically all the people who come to the retreat, they buy also tickets for Nomad Island Fest. So they have this double experience of like Nomad Island Fest is about 150 people. A lot of people from the community from different groups are coming together. So there you can meet other escapers. So I didn't even know <laughs> it was a thing, but people within the community started calling themselves, oh, you're an escaper. I was like, oh, is this a thing? And they gave themselves like an identity, which was really cool. And from a marketing perspective, really valuable, actually, I found out uh, after reading a book of Russell Brunson about expert secrets and about building funnels and building communities. And 
that people have a name. He calls his community, for example, funnel hackers. And my community calls themselves escapers, right? So in Nomad Island Fest, other escapers can meet other escapers and also new people come in. And there also we allow children. So I get more and more also uh, parents, basically entrepreneurial parents. So I really want to join, but I have a kid of 10 or whatever. And then last year was the first time with three kids. And the kids that are brought to an event like this is mostly by parents who are very developed themselves as well. So you have the most amazing, remarkable experiences, bringing the kids on stage. You're really part of the experience because, yeah, we cannot uh, deny it. Like I'm getting into that age and then getting a little bit older. So like and my community is also getting older and gets children. So it's also part of that experience. Uh, so that's really cool. Yeah. Basically. Do you, but do like, you bring any mm-hmm. children on any of the, uh, on the, the nomad escapes? Like we're, we're talking about the Island Fest right now, but, um, on the excursions themselves? Uh, I did the last one in Bali and it was not a good, it was not a success <laughs> to be honest. It was like that lady was already, she was at Nomad Island Fest and her kid, like, is the brightest kid. Like he's like, he's 10, Jonathan. He's the coolest kid. Like he has the biggest potential to be like a massive MC host, YouTuber, whatever. Super bright, super smart, super sweet. And he's just like this man, this 45 year old man in in a kid's body, really. And uh, his mom, basically like what we do at the Nomad Escapes, we have a Nomad coin game. So we print Nomad coins. So everyone gets 100,000 Nomad coins. You get a like monopoly money kind of thing. And what we try to stimulate, we try to stimulate, I say not stimulate, someone said it's a really weird word. Stimulate. Stimulate Stimulate the economy. Ah, stimulate the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Someone told me (laughs) it's a weird word. (laughs) No, no, no. Maybe, Maybe sounds like a little bit technical, like you would hear like a, a professor or something say, but no, I mean, it sounds totally normal to me. Okay. Okay. That's good then. <laughs> so to stimulate the economy, you know, we say then like everyone gets a hundred thousand coins and then, uh, people who offer the most value are very helpful to other people in the group. Um, you know, and like, don't think about only what they can get, but also what can they give these people get nomad coins. So let's say you would be at my event and you say, Hey, Michelle, I, you know, it's like, Hey, Chase, I really want to start a podcast. Right. And I want my podcast. I want to, I don't know, start uh, like reach remote companies. How can I do that? I say, you know what, Michelle, I'm going to sit 30 minutes with you. I'm going to tell you my software. La, la, la. Like, this is great. Thank you so much. I was looking for this. I give you 50 K, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Then someone else comes up to me and says like, Hey, I look at your social media posts. It's great, but you have a lot of like uh, grammar mistakes, whatever. Like, okay, nice, I give you 5K. So we distribute like the money and then the person with the most coins wins a free Nomad Escape the next time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I give every time I give a free Nomad Escape, which costs also quite a lot of money as (laughs) well. But I- It's a very generous offer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But like, I really believe because that really engages, you know, uh, the community, people keep on coming back and wanting to offer the value. And then basically the lady- and her son, they won the Nomad coins, basically. So they came to Bali. Then she was like, can I bring Jonathan? And I was like, oh, it's a small retreat. She said, no, 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 it's fine. I can, you know, send him away if it's too much. And then, like, at the beginning, it was really nice. It's really, it was actually, it was nice, but it did, it was a too small setting to have very vulnerable conversations and then a kid in the middle about sexuality and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, Jonathan, close your eyes, uh, ears now, la, 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 la. Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, the big events are great. 
for that. Yes. Uh, awesome. Okay. That's, that's, uh, I can imagine that was quite, quite a, quite a challenge, but it's cool to think about like this, this, uh, as this space evolves, you know, and, and we try to adapt to different, uh, demographics like there that, you know, bringing the children along or not, or are there dedicated events when, when, you know, everyone brings their kids and there's a element there. Um, yeah, this is, this is the fun part about this, like, uh, this revolution that we're in, like, there's a lot of change that will, that will come out of that. And so like on this one that's coming up, for example, roughly how many people will attend? And is that like normal, like the normal this, size? This week, uh, the group will be 15 in total. And that's 15. a normal size. The retreats are 15. That's actually the perfect size. Okay. Yeah. And how long, roughly how mm-hmm. long, like, is it a week? Seven days, seven days. Seven days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you come, you come for a week, you're like surrounded by like-minded individuals, amazing location. There's some personal development. Uh, obviously you can get your work done if you, if you need to. Um, but a lot of, a lot of building in public in a, in a small setting and in a more intimate setting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like always, yeah, what I, what I explained before, like starting off with, uh, your personal life story. So actually the, the first question we ask, like we sit in a circle with the group and then, okay, tell me your life story within three minutes. And if you feel comfortable with it, tell us the toughest thing you've ever been through that made you who you are today. Mm. So we get already, like I, for example, the story that I just told you, I tell there. And that I was going to say, I think we know your answer. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, I tell it a little bit also more into detail and people are like, uh, okay, we didn't expect that. It's like, indeed. And that's why you should never judge another person. Not, not our, you know, like, and if you feel comfortable, tell your stories. So then people open up about, I don't know, divorces, sexual abuses, not talking to their parents anymore, all those things. And like, wow, like if we would not have this exercise at the end of the week, we would have fun, but we don't know who you really are, you know? And that really sets the tone. We have also a few guidelines, like one of the things, and I even tattooed it on my hands, it's an N and a C, it's like never compare. Never, like if you listen to a story, never compare yourself with the other story, you know, like nothing is, uh, yeah, everything is unique. And also when you hear when people are more successful, it was very hard for me at the beginning when I started, like I was hosting seven, eight figure entrepreneurs and I didn't have crap myself. So, and I was like, oh yeah, I make this, this, and then they told me like, oh, Michelle, you're so good at what you do. Why are you doing them have money? La, 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 la. It brought me to a burnout even that because I was so surrounded with people with so much money that I started comparing myself and seeing myself as a failure, you know? So one of the things is like, we set the tone there and then really saying like, okay, please never compare. Just learn from the experience. Don't judge. Don't ask anything. Just be and observe, you know? And then we make the transition into the, yeah, the professional development where everyone gets a chance to get free consulting from the other people. So everyone gets a chance to be literally in front of the group, Tell, share a challenge that they're dealing with at the moment that could really help them moving forward. And then the, basically like our facilitators are standing there with a whiteboard and like noting everything down, what the advice is that they get from the group. So after like 15 minutes listening to all these people, you have this whole whiteboard full with ideas and resources and, you know, strategies basically. And we ask the people, okay, from all these topics that you, like all the advices that you got, what are the three main ones that you think that could help you move forward the fastest? Okay, they pick three. And okay, which one of these three is one you can get started with this week? Like no nonsense. We want you to get something out of it. Okay, they pick one. So based on that, 
um, that is kind of like the plan of action for the people to work on after the retreat, because after the retreat is not finished, basically one month after we have a, a catch up call or a power call, we call it. And then we're asking the people always like, okay, what were you working on during the retreat? What was your challenge? What, you know, uh, what were the things that you already did to move forward and what, what or who do you still need to, you know, make further progress? And you see actually the people already made way more progress than what they promised during the retreat. So it's like, yeah, it's a beautiful, yeah, I didn't even realize someone said it last week, like it's coaching what you do. And yeah, I don't know. Like I would never say that I'm a coach or consider myself a coach or sell myself as a coach because I want to be very, I could, because I'm actually certified. I'm a social worker and I studied it, but there's so many coaches in the industry now that I feel like I just, I'm just a facilitator and a retreat organizer. That's what yeah, I'm right. <laughs> We tend to <laughs> humble ourselves, but like when you start picking apart your, your yeah. background and your history, like you, you have all the makings of the perfect coach. Um, and yeah, and actually, like, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so there's all these, you know, exercises and also like when people get this advice from the other people, they basically see directly what the other people in the group have to offer. So let's say you would be in my group and I, my biggest challenge is whatever, tapping into the B2B market, and you give me so much advice. And I'm like, this guy is awesome. Maybe I want to hire him, right? So that is where people really start seeing who's valuable for them. And also the people who are listening and, and, and observing everything, they will for sure taking so much information that could be applicable to their situation. So what happens already in the second and the third day is like people start, you know, exchanging numbers and, and the, the candidates, et cetera. And that's what it basically is. Like it's a business network travel club because we really want people to get something out of it and people hire each other and start businesses together and lovers we had as well. <laughs> Anything that you can do with people, you know. So any form of relationship uh, can be formed there and w when you're open to learning and sharing, yeah. You, you know, something that really comes to mind as you're telling the story and like people that are listening can't see the enthusiasm on your face. But I mean, I've I've seen that before, but it's it's uh, it's cool seeing it, you know, live here as we're having this conversation. Um, but like the, the digital nomad community by maybe from like a more like um, like old school approach or people who are a little bit skeptical of this whole remote work thing, or maybe have a bad, a negative connotation tied to digital nomads, um, as being sort of like, uh, you know, just frivolous and just may maybe kind of like the person you started off talking about before, who's just a bit unaware. Um, it's just kind of got, you know, first world problems and is traveling around making all their money sitting on beaches in Bali, uh, not really doing any quote unquote real work. And so I think there's this like negative connotation that some people have is it's as sort of being like this shallow group of millennials or Gen Zers that, that are just, you know, out enjoying the world and never really go much deeper than that. And like the depth that you're talking about here is the total antithesis of that. And it's been more of what I've witnessed as, as I've gone deeper into this world is, you know, people form really strong bonds, connections, relationships, business ideas, um, in in environments like this and and i think that's like this is really shining a light on that which is is something that i'm growing to appreciate even more about like the work that you're doing so i, I think that should be called out because it's it's really awesome thank you thank you yeah i think as what i said before like with with marketing right so 
uh, people see the photos of people with it on a laptop next to a pool or whatever, all these things. And it's, it's great for marketing. I mean, I'm guilty. I'm doing it myself, you know, um, but it shows so little of what it is because once you are in it, you know, of course, like I started myself as well, a little bit ignorant, not ignorant, but like I, I lived in Suriname, but then still I had a laptop. And at the beginning I was a digital marketer. That's before I did the Nomad Escape and I was like teaching myself skills through YouTube and like making no money at the beginning, a little bit of money. And I was broke again and I moved to Bali because cheaper, all these things, you know, and then, yeah, posting photos of myself being successful next to the pool. Well, I didn't have anything basically, you know, so I understand where that perspective is coming from, from people who are not doing this. However, once you are further in the process and like, you know, like me, myself now, or yourself, you have to be incredibly strong to maintain this lifestyle and to stay focused and to be successful, to run a business and travel. It's super hard. And actually I like, I travel, but I stayed long in a location one or two months. And sometimes it's a short stop because of a visit or so, but my home base basically is a Madeira Island. I enjoy being here and there's like, I have all my software, I have my desk here, I have my whiteboards here. I can focus. And then I go maybe two months to Bali and within Bali I travel, but it is super hard. And if you maintain um, your level of focus, your dedication and deliverables to your clients while you're doing that, I think at the end you're going to be respected more. However, it is very hard because I have been working with a lot of digital nomads myself. <laughs> and this sounds very biased because I am at a point like I don't want to hire digital nomads myself <laughs> because they're flaky. <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm traveling now and I don't have Wi-Fi and all those things, right? So, but I'm sure like when I work with clients, I'm, I'm always sure that I'm set up well. Like I, you know, like it's also your work ethics, but it's even with an employee, you know, who has like a standard life. But I think this is a very interesting topic because as this world is evolving and the word digital nomads didn't exist, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or distri distributed teams or all these things, right? So everything was thrown in one big pile. And now we try to, on like, uh, how do you say, on, on raffle or like, Right? Like, okay, within this, there's so much. Because a lot of people ask me as well, I want to become a digital nomad. How do you become a digital nomad? And I say, sorry, digital nomad doesn't exist, in my opinion. A lot of people are not, don't agree with that. In my um, experience or opinion is digital nomad does not exist. It is a lifestyle, right? When I decide to have no home or travel for a few months in different locations, I, I could be a digital nomad. But within Digital Nomad, as a Digital Nomad, you make money in different ways. As an entrepreneur, as a freelancer, as an employee for a company who works remotely, etc. So I think like as this industry will evolve, probably I could foresee that there's different terms will, that it will be developed. And then also having like the level of Digital Nomads, because I know very successful people who are digital nomads and are very proud of it. And then I know people who are just starting out and don't make any money or will never make money if I look at their process and are ashamed of being a digital nomad. So I think like identifying maybe revenue streams or so, I don't know exactly 
how you would identify that. Uh, but it is very interesting. And I do with the Nomad Escape, like my vision for it as well. Like uh, we have the Level Up Club Retreats, which have a certain budget that not everyone can afford. And also traveling to a destination where I do it with all your visas, your travel expense, et cetera, then the program, you know, you need to dedicate, you need to have at least like six or $7,000 like that, that you could like allocate, you know? So it is already for a certain group of people who can afford that. And more and more I'm looking into, but I don't know exactly how it would look like, but to cater to like more high-end digital nomads that would be mostly entrepreneurs or like, um, maybe like management of a remote company, but to really become the, uh, like more the, the creme de la creme of all the digital nomad experiences, like not the cheap, you know, like backpacking style, but like more high end. Yeah. The, the, the big differentiator that I see that you're offering is this like, um, this closed sort of environment where there's a, there's a really strong feedback loop a lot of coaching, a lot of personal development. Um, and it happens to be with a group of people that are like-minded around the, the thought of like being in an amazing location and travel and, and those elements, but that's not like the baseline, you know, that's like the, the nice extra. And I think that's really cool. I mean, companies spend a lot on, and, and entrepreneurs and people spend a lot on that, uh, that coaching, the executive coach, the, you know, development, personal development for teams, um, and personally, I want to go do those things in, in awesome locations in a very intentional environment. So that's, that's exciting. I think. Yeah, it helps definitely <laughs> to look <laughs> at the ocean instead of a wall. I mean, why yeah, not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, don't go to the TGI Fridays. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've never been there. So maybe I would even like it. Maybe it's yeah, a location that might be for an experience. Um, well, this has been really, really awesome, Michelle. Like I, I learned a ton about obviously about you and your your story and, and the business, but also just like absorbed a lot of um, wisdom from from your experiences. So thanks for sharing. I have no doubt the, the audience did as well. And they'll probably want to learn a bit more. So where can people go to learn more about some of the things you you discussed and or follow you? And we'll we'll place those links in the show notes as well. Sure. Thank you so much for offering this. So uh, basically just our website, thenomadescape.com. And on my LinkedIn, just Michelle Marie. Uh, on our Instagram is thenomadescape. Um, yeah, that's the uh, my, my email. We can put it there as well. <laughs> if you're really nice, we can do WhatsApp as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hold off VIPs. on that. Right? Yeah. You <laughs> got to pay. You got to contribute to the Patreon count for that one. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, website is the best way to go. We have also like you can directly ask questions on our live chat there, and uh, just get in touch. Don't be a stranger. We love to meet cool people. We love collaborations. I really believe in synergies. Um, to creating experiences together, you know, and uh, yeah, the cool thing is, is that the Nomad Escape, it's so, you can do anything within it. You can, it's not Nomad Retreats or, you know, like, or remote work retreats. It's a Nomad Escape, so it could be retreats, it could be co-livings, it could be clothing brands, merch, games, whatever, adventures, right? So you can put anything under it. And, and yeah, in the core, it's like a, a business network travel club for 
location independent people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to come, so I'm, I'm going to look into it. Uh, I have actually. So I, I, uh, I'm, but I, I think it sounds amazing and there's, I've been a big fan. I should have mentioned this earlier. Um, but like, I've been a big fan and participating in like coaching circles for many years, um, and work with like, a a coach and like people, I think people tend to look at like, they, they, there's like some shame or I don't know if shame's the right word, but it's like, I should be able to do this on my own. But like most of us don't do most things on our own. Like we went to school and we had teachers that were in charge of like teaching us. We had, we participated in sports and we had coaches pushing us to be our best. And we've had managers or you go to the gym, you hire a personal trainer or you do group fitness classes. Like the best athletes in the world have a coach, you know? (laughs) And, and so I think like there's so much to be said for like just getting that outside perspective. Um, and, and it, and I'm talking specifically like getting away from it, just being your manager at work, like someone who's outside of that and can give you a, a different perspective and look at your your wants and your needs and your goals in a different way. And then getting a group of those people together and and amplifying that message is a is a game changer. So I'm a huge fan of the the whole concept. It's been massively beneficial for me, and um, so that's why I'm a big fan of what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, thank you. I hope we get to see each other in another cool place. It was awesome to, that we got to meet in real life in Lisbon and, uh, and continue the conversation here and, uh, looking forward to continuing to follow the the journey and all the successes. Same from my end towards you, because what you're doing is also freaking cool. I've been following you as well, you know, and like, and, and this was actually really cool because before we said as well, we never, we met each other very short. We've been following each other. And this is like, literally getting to know each other while recording so i you know i don't know so much about your story i want to start a podcast as well so i would love to interview you and hear your story but hey, you guys heard yeah. it here first we're, we're getting the <laughs> podcast from michelle going and yeah. uh, i want to i want to be on there so uh yeah please awesome. like we'll, we'll we'll make that happen and also i'm happy to help um and uh you don't have to give me any of the the coins but you get nomad you know, coins yeah, yeah you get, if nomad. I could get some nomad coins i'd be glad to glad to pay it forward <laughs> i'll send you some no thank you so much for this it was really awesome yeah enjoyed it talk to you soon michelle bye talk soon ciao ciao Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me. It also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.